My mother believed and my father believed that if I wanted to be president of the United States, I could be, I could be vice president. This is America. Former Vice President Joe Biden has been elected president of the United States. It is my greatest honor and privilege to have been your president. We will be back in some form. We are still deeply divided. Public health experts warned this was coming unless more was done. And here we are now. Are you proud of what happened here today? Absolutely. Never before in American history has there been an uprising like this. Of the 75 million Americans who voted for Donald Trump, I don't know how many today are feeling, dear God, what was I thinking? But I would wager a lot more are thinking, let's carry on this fight. Character matters. It matters. Tell them the truth matters. The 21st century is going to be the American century. Because we lead not only by the example of our power, but by the power of our example. That is the history of the journey of America. CBS 11 News this morning. 24 now. This morning, opening statements will begin in the trial of two former Enron executives accused of fraud this morning in the Enron investigation. Enron's fired Arthur Anderson auditor David Duncan will take the Fifth Amendment today. This case is going to hinge around the statements, the public statements Ken Lay made uh, about Enron and the optimism investors should have in Enron as he was doing a hundred million dollars. During the last two years, Enron has spent four million dollars lobbying Congress and the White House. Enron secretly shut down power plants so they could cause and then cash in on the crisis. Uh, we want you guys to get a little creative okay. and come up with a reason to go down. The Enron scandal, officially the single biggest scam in the history of the USA, and it was the seventh biggest corporation in the country at the time. It took 10 years to grow to a value of more than $60 billion. It took just a month to completely unravel to nothing. Thousands of jobs lost, billions wiped from the economy, and yet still very few people can explain what the hell went on. What exactly happened? And What's been done to prevent it from happening again? Hello and welcome to another Irishman in America with me, Jarrett Regan. And of course, as always, our friend and general legend over in the States, Marion McKeown. Marion, you really are the only person I trust to explain this whole scandal in a way I can understand. Because by the end of today's episode, it's my hope that we will not only know what the hell went down, but also... I hope we can answer some bigger questions like, is America heading for a similar kind of economic cliff via hyperinflation resulting from the economic measures taken to deal with the pandemic? Where are those involved in the Enron scandal now? And could this happen again? Well, I'll start with a brief yes to your last question. But, you know, it, it occurs to me, Jarlett, just as I was listening to you there, it will be the Enron scandal, it's the 20th anniversary around now of when the whole thing started to hit the fan. It was it was 2001. It was the summer of 2001 when people began to go, I'm not really sure about this. And, and Andy Fastow, Cliff Taylor had resigned, I think. And people, ships, the rats were leaving the ship. They were starting to slither overboard. So it's literally about 20 years ago. So, you know, it's a timely uh, time at which to look at it. And also, I feel like we're preparing people for the sequel Jeff Skilling is back and he's back in business now 20 years later, having done his 12 years in prison. And yes, indeed, let's, let's, there could be the makings of a sequel there. But look, I suppose you're right. This, when this happened, people were, I, and you know, I wasn't in the States long at the time. 
But I do remember, it's funny the things you remember. I remember when George W. Bush was inaugurated in January 2001 after the very contentious election. And I do remember that one of the things that was spoken about was that his father, George H.W. Bush, and his mother, Barbara Bush, were flown in from Houston in the private plane of Kenny Lay. And Kenny Lay was described at the time in early 2001, months before Enron went down, as a great longtime friend of the Bushes and a, you know, like sort of all round legend in, in Houston, Texas. And there was, of course, the Enron field, the baseball field was named after Enron at the time. And it was all this thing about how he, at the time, was regarded as one of America's great success stories, like literally a legend in the yeah, yeah. Like, like George Bush referred <laughs> to him as Kenny Boy. Kenny yeah, Boy is a good guy. Boy, yeah. And they were hyping up his connection to George W. Bush because as in the politicians where the Bush family were, because they thought it made it look like, yeah, our son is one of these guys, these brilliant successes, you know. So so at that time, they were boasting that they were delighted to take his plane to fly them to the inauguration. Kenny Boy was at the inauguration as well. He was a special guest there. Uh, I remember seeing him at the inauguration balls. There was one particular ball which I described to you before, where they had oil rigs on the tables, little mini oil rig things instead of flowers. And Kenny Boy was there and he was dancing in his tux. And, you know, the, the whole thing was celebrating the sort of this new kids on the block in, in Washington and Houston who didn't give a damn and they'd do whatever it took and they were tough. And, and you know, and, and that they were risk takers and wildcatters. And, and that was the image. Like, it was all about the swagger, the swagger. Sure. And, Enron was really all about the swagger from beginning to end. And that was how it grew so quickly, because the parallels in the story of Enron, the story of the original Ed Ponzi guy back in the 1920s, the story of Bernie Madoff, the story of Donald Trump in a large way as well, except for his as a private company. It's all the same. It's if people think that you're going to make them rich, they don't ask questions. And if you are the and and the you know, it saddens me to say this, but among the biggest culprits are the media. You are a massive success story. People don't want to, to go, well, what's behind that? They don't want to look behind it's a bit like with a magician who's sawing someone in half. No one really wants to look in the box yeah. to see what's going on, you know? And uh, I was amazed that through all the research I did on this that that never took place like you're 100% right there there seemed to be only one journalist who kind of said hey, Bethany so McLean Bethany. yeah how yeah. how do you how does Enron make its money <laughs> no one could tell her no one really could but was there ever a time before we we take people through the the blow by blow of this was there ever a time when Enron was a good company was just uh, doing its thing and not doing accounting that was, you know, pulled out of the ether. Yeah, you know, Enron started off for about 10 years. When it started first, it was a company that was just interested in supplying natural gas. If it had stuck with that, it probably would be still ticking away nicely because the natural gas um, market in America has, it, it keeps growing, you know, like it's it boomed and it's boomed in the last two decades. It's been very lucrative. So they started off as a supplier of natural gas and they were doing very well there. And then they thought, and we'll get to Jeff Skilling, who was, was um, you know, one of the people in, in all of this. Uh, they moved to to trading energy and they thought, OK, let's let's trade energy deals. So let's 
put it on the stock market and we can, you know, treat it like a commodity, like any other commodity, which in a way made some kind of sense. Although, but the fir- look, the first thing that happened and the first, and it, they really should have known this was, there was a scandal. Okay, Enron was set up by Ken Lay. Ken Lay was this poor kid. It's like, you know, every story in America seems to have a rags to riches start. So he was this poor kid. I think his father was some kind of a lay preacher, but he wasn't one of those big, you know, big tent, you know, guys who was getting a lot of money. He was very modest. Ken Lay was a brilliant guy. He went to college. He did a PhD. He had a brilliant financial mind. He was just super smart anyway. And so he was going to always be the poor kid who made good by hard work to a large degree and also by being very, very smart. So he went up to Washington for a couple of years and he worked in the Pentagon. So he he had connections. Now, at the time, he would have been working around the Pentagon. There were people knocking around like Donald Rumsfeld, like Dick Cheney back then, because he was, you know, hanging around Nixon and all these boys. So they would have all known each other for decades, basically. He knew the Bushes for decades because at the time he was setting up Enron, the Bush family were also involved in the oil business and had been for decades and relatives of the Bush family, etc. So all these guys knew each other. It was the original old boys club. So he his big passion early on, surprise, surprise, was deregulation. And he was saying you can't have, you know, you've got to have deregulation to make the energy business work. You've got to be allowed to basically do whatever the hell you want and speculate to accumulate, etc., as they all said. So anyway, the first warning that all was not right was this thing, and I think it may have been 1984, Five or 1987, 1987, it was called the Valhalla scandal. It started in 85, was discovered in 87. And there were two traders working for Lay who were carrying on in a way that was absolutely shocking. They were shifting money into fake accounts. They were, they, they, one of them called his account M-Y-A-S-S, as in my ass. You know, and I mean, like they were, they were, they were these kind of the Barrow Boys. Do you remember in London in in the eighties with the big that those kind of guys where they had the shirt sleeves rolled up and they were drinking champagne and they were you know going to strip clubs and anyway they were doing all kinds of things. They were manipulating earnings, hiding money, then changing it when it was losing money and and basically when it when it came to it was discovered it was widely expected that Ken Lay would fire them that that they should have been fired that they really basically should have been imprisoned. And one of them did go to prison, in fact. But instead of firing them, he said, just keep making the millions. And so when one of the guys, the SEC got involved in this, it was called the Valhalla scandal. Scandal. One of them was sent to prison for a year. And at that point, Lay's concern was not, oh, dear God, they could have taken the company down. It was, who's going to come in and make as much money for me as these guys were? Because they were both gone then, effectively. So there you have it. That's your taste of the Irishman in America for this week with Marion McKeown. Come on over and hear the rest of the conversation by becoming a member at patreon.com forward slash Irishman abroad and enjoy all these conversations in full, including our feature interview every Sunday and our back catalogue of nearly eight years of interviews at patreon.com forward slash Irishman abroad. Ready? You have the cameras rolling? This is America. A lot of people who would probably consider themselves liberal have done very well financially under the Donald Trump four years. You encouraged espionage against our people. You condemn any interference by Russia in the American election. By Russia or anybody else. Russia, please, if you can, get us Hillary Clinton's emails. 
Please, Russia, please. To renew America, we must revitalize our democracy.